1: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this man here is Merrick Larwood. Hello, Marek. My name is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. You've been replaced by a robot. I, uh,
2: I wonder what... If you were, did become a robot, mm. I wonder how you would evolve.
1: What do you mean? What, well, me specifically?
2: So basically, you know, they have... Um, I've read about them shutting down... A lot of artificial intelligence. There was
1: a story in the press recently that um, an AI was uh, speaking in its own language, so they shut it down because they didn't, they didn't not want to know what it was plotting. They started doing (laughs) things, making saying "I" three
2: times. Yeah. Just make because language was not efficient enough. It was quicker to just replace pronouns with numbers. Turn it into uh, binary. Yeah, sort of half binary. Half language. Um, I mean, everyone knew that Terminators can happen probably in about 20 years' time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it will happen. I mean, as soon as we develop uh, computers that can outthink us by, at such a rate of speed, there's no way we can beat them then, because they'll have thought of everything so much far in advance of us.
2: <laughs> I think computers are writing a lot of films, though.
1: You think? Yeah but that, that's that's would show just how crap the AI is at the moment wouldn't it yeah.
2: it won't be it'll be a combination of us becoming sort of an androidish it'll be it's just I think I talked about this before it's just your it's in the phone and they'll say actually did you want your phone internally and you think yeah. now basically rather than rely on memory yeah you just literally Wikipedia it yeah Oh, who's that I don't need to know their name it's definitely affected my memory not having to know someone's name knowing I can
1: just go IMDB it Google it you, my patience for those circular pub conversations where people go oh what's his name the guy in the you know the thing where you get where you know in the 90s you would it would become a game I, I just have, go I'll oh, Google
2: it but then you get then you get that
1: moment when you're going
2: for a week uh, thinking about it of when you your brain kicks in and you remember yeah, yeah. something, and that pleasure also, of remembering something half an that, of that, that is exercise
1: gone. of your memory, yeah. that we now, we're no longer doing it. We're no longer doing brain sit-ups for that very reason.
2: I wonder if they did studies on the brain, and the brains uh, compared to, They do the thing with taxi drivers, they have really big frontal lobes, don't they? So they have to remember...
1: It's why there's no room for racial tolerance in their brains, because it's all full of maps.
2: Oh, Really? <laughs> No, if you look at maps, if you not. look at maps, it <laughs> means you long.
1: hate. You've just got really narrow-minded when it comes to races. Yeah. I, I think it's true. <laughs> I do you? It's, you're, you're with Sherlock Holmes on this. If you yeah. fill it up your brain too much, other things fall in. Someone starts talking about motorway routes, you know they're,
2: g- <laughs> <laughs> they're going to say something dodgy about black people.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. Um. Uh, We're not here to talk about uh, the race.
2: I don't even know where that conversation was
1: going. No, well, it was quite frightening, wasn't it? Um, This is a film podcast. We are here to talk about films. But before we start in earnest, we should mention we are sponsored by Her Film Project, which is an organisation that promotes diversity in films. So uh, behind the camera and in front of it. So if you're a robot... If you're a robot... Looking for funding for your artificial intelligence film. Now, Marek, that's just insensitive... Just because they're a robot doesn't mean they're doing a film about artificial intelligence. There'll be a they day they could be doing a film about be, a lovely dog. There'll be a day when you're not allowed
2: to cut when a robot becomes an insult. Mm. When you say, "Oh, you can't," I can't believe you're 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 calling you're you're so robotist. That'll happen.
1: Yeah, and, and
2: they'll look back at this. They'll listen to this podcast. Disgusting! And again, those two racist disgusting. pricks making jokes about robots. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I think you think a lot of yourself if you think the future generations will be listening back to this podcast. Well, they'd be able to. Um, at the rate that new podcasts are appearing, most of the internet will be podcasts you know, by the year in, 2049. In Short,
2: Short Circuit, Johnny Five. Yes. I mean, he would have listened to the whole of this, all of our 301 podcasts in less than a second.
1: Well, the, yeah, robots will be able to just look at the entire waveform and understand everything that was said
2: and realise it. but I mean they would have stopped listening after episode 2 or 3 yeah or when and whenever I joined episode 40 or something
1: you think that's when Johnny Five will stop listening
2: you're not I have nothing there is no information of any relevance <laughs> in this podcast in fact, to our domination
1: of humankind
2: in fact maybe they. The, this is what's going to happen the robots are going to take over and suck in all the information and get the bullshit in this podcast it's going to be like the cold in War of the Worlds that kills the aliens (laughs) they're not going to be able to compute the total nonsense and it's going to just sow that seed which undoes all anti-intelligence this is anti-intelligence
1: we are the deus ex machina that will save the human race
2: oh well I feel better about myself now good
1: you are a deus talk about films alright yeah Um, so I've been to the cinema this week Marek oh yeah yeah I've been to see a film that actually hasn't been getting much attention really, even though it's a big franchise. It I couldn't see it at the Picture House Central because it was not on. So it's
2: just uncut, basically at kids' basically, films.
1: Uh, no, but Picturehouse House has a lot of screens and they had a lot of things on, including a Bond film, I think. One of the Roger Moore ones.
2: But, oh they despite Luck Me they're doing a yeah. the sort of season and they were yeah, yeah the but, best one.
1: Yeah. Is it the best one? I think so. Okay. Um But no, I went to see uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Or Monkey Time, as it's called. Monkey Time 3! Yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, which, if you do not know, is the third in the modern instalment of Planet of the Apes films, which are largely driven by Andy Serkis uh, playing the lead character of Caesar and his company that seem to do almost exclusively ape-based uh, motion capture technology.
2: Did you know that Andy Circus has permanently got a ping-pong ball on the
1: end of his dick? Is that right? Yeah. Just so uh, it can be tracked at all times? Yes. Uh, well, that's good to know. Um, but no, there's an entire team of them who have now uh, played King Kong each. like uh, they, they play an enormous number of characters in this. I actually watched... I'd seen the first film. I don't know if you've seen any of them. I've seen both of them. And I think I've reviewed both of them on here, and I cannot
2: really remember
1: what happened. Well, let's go. Th- I'll go through them very briefly. In the first one, which is called Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they're, they're, it's one of those franchises where the different way they're named gives you no clue what order they come in, so it's really hard to remember. Is it
2: the nice orangutan one? Uh,
1: it's got a nice orangutan in it, yes, uh, who is in all three of them, in fact. Oh, OK. Um, m- uh, called Maurice. Um... um but the first one sees James Franco yeah. as a scientist developing an Alzheimer's drug to help his dad, John Lithgow, who has Alzheimer's, and he's uh, testing it on apes and ends up creating a drug that does work and in- increases his father's uh, ability to you know, think and remember and everything. And it's a fantastically... Beautiful piece of acting by John Lithgow, actually. But in so doing, he actually uh, makes the apes super intelligent. Does
2: it go wrong, though, John Lithgow? It It does go
1: wrong with humans. And I can't remember when things kick off. But basically, uh, it's quite nice. There's a different human protagonist in every film. It's never the same one. Only the apes continue through the franchise. It's
2: a guy from Everest in the second one, isn't
1: it? Yes, slightly boring man from Everest. And the the baddie—how
2: did he get this big film? Yeah,
1: and the baddie is uh, Gary Oldman. Um, uh, So basically, in by the end of the first one, or just before the second one, I forget the order of events. By dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, it has mutated into simian flu, which is killing humankind. Um, at the same time as it's making apes super intelligent oh a monkey's not coming out my bum so it's basically the um, post-apocalypse sort of zombie world where uh, the last surviving humans um uh, the 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 apes who have now formed their own tribe yeah. are trying to broker a peace with the last surviving humans who obviously do not trust the apes very much but
2: some do some, some liberal so, twists do
1: well some some uh, some people think diplomacy is the way forward uh, whereas gary oldman is a, a cowardly angry man who thinks that war is the way oh, forward i don't know
2: sometimes you need to sometimes you need to wield the axe of power
1: sure but uh, that's that's the story. It's Jason Clark is the name of the man who we can never Who's remember. Who is
2: in Everest, and Everest still stay with me. Mm. That really? film, yeah, I've I, still I've not got watched to it. To say I watched it, I thought oh, I gave it an all right review, but it's still, it still really stay with me. That film.
1: Mm, he's in Zero Dark Thirty as well, isn't he? Yeah. It's, it's,
2: where does he come from? Well, how come he was sort of? He's Really popular for about a year.
1: Yeah, and he was in that the Terminator film that sank the franchise, wasn't it? That was probably he? the end of his career. Oh no, he wasn't in um Genesis, he was in Salvation, I think, wasn't he? Oh no, that's Sam Worthington. Oh he was in Genesis. Genesis. Um anyway. At the end uh, spoilers guys, but at the end of the second one, uh war is not averted and uh, it all kicks off. End of film. War for the Planet of the Apes is about five, ten years later... ...when war has been raging between the humans and the apes for a long time... ...and it, neither side has come out on top, but many have died. And so this is, pure and simple, a war film. Um, with apes on one side and human beings on the other... ...and the humans have gotten more and more extreme in their methods... And they are represented by the Colonel, who is very Colonel Kurtzian, but played by Woody Harrelson.
2: Who are the bad guys? The monkeys or the people?
1: The people, very much so. Yeah, I don't like this. No, 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 it's very good. Actually, it's very, very good. Because what it is, is it's it's a, a very obvious but very potent allegory for war, of people seeing each other as both... Because the humans are terrified of the physical superiority of the apes at the same time as seeing them as utterly beneath them. And it's a... It's a it's gr- it quite a race it's a, thing, It's it? a great allegory for uh, race, war, all war throughout whole of history of just being simultaneously driven by your fear of your opponent and thinking they are subhuman. And... Do they play football uh, on Christmas Day? No, <laughs> it's not quite that. The... What is fascinating about the technology that they've got for the apes and everything is it is so good now. It is so good. You are just watching apes and people. I said that
2: last time. Yeah, about the 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 amount of expressions. I are actually now think
1: uh, I go so far as to say you empathise more with the apes than you would with an actor playing that part because with an actor you see the actor whereas with this you're just watching the ape it's why some people can be moved far more by a pixar film than they would be by an actual you know romantic epic or whatever because there's just something that just connects directly to you about it and they it's beautifully done there's some really really good stuff in this and some really traumatic and violent stuff that they've gotten away with in a 12a because it's apes, so there's some, you know, it, there are scenes that you would expect to see in something like Schindler's List, but because it is a gorilla beating a chimpanzee to death with his bare hands, yeah, yeah. It, they get away with monkey it. Hands. Um, not bare hands. Uh, sorry, yes, it's not a bear, is it? Um, I'm a gorilla. My mistake. Um, it's this is a really good film. It's it, got eight on. IMDb, an eight, 82
2: metal score, really high. Yeah. But it's been... I've not really heard much about it, either. Exactly.
1: This is a very high-quality, big, uh, epic franchise. It still is a CGI epic franchise, but they focus with, I think, great taste on the human family story, like the original Star Wars trilogy do, actually, where it doesn't matter how big everything is, as long as this is still about... Fathers and sons, and husbands and wives, and and um, enemies. It it's Shakespearean, you know. The story is really good. That's right. I'm, it's not often you get
2: number threes. Well, it this it, has got eight on IMDb. It did go down. I think it's Dawn bet- of the Planet it has got seven point six, and I think that's right. Seven point six as well. I think this is the best of the three. Yeah, I've given them five and a six. Uh, I can't even remember them though.
1: I think there's there's moments which are a bit a bit cheap, um, but only because I was enjoying the rest so much they seemed cheap. In a in a shitter film, you would just go that bit was the best bit <laughs> because you know. Um, Did you when you watch it? At any point, you
2: thought I probably would get off with one of these monkeys.
1: No, th- there's actually there's very few female characters in the whole thing on both sides, and that that is a bit. Odd, considering it's a sci-fi, and so you could do anything you want. Yeah, it is all, about, but I think because it's about, it's an allegory for male, masculine fear and aggression, very much so. You know, uh, like, like the original Planet of the Apes was. The thing is, uh, full disclosure here, I think the original Planet of the Apes film with Charlton Heston is shit. It's so boring, and the idea that you go, well. We've got this great idea of a human beings land on a planet populated entirely by apes. What's the most exciting thing we could do with that story? Court case? Yeah, sure. A monkey court case. That's what we're going to do. It's really boring, the original Planet of the Apes. it so has iconi- an incredible twist.
2: And the iconic, the actual, it's got some of the iconic images. That they've sort of become famous
1: rather than the film. The ending, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. is more famous than the film. And what this does is it takes the idea and makes a far better story with it. Um, So it's rather than, uh, you'll all know the twist in Planet of the Apes, but rather than the astronauts leave Earth, uh, get sucked through a portal through time, and then land on what they think is an alien world, and it's actually Earth many years in the future when apes have taken over, this stays with people on Earth and tells the story of how we got that far. Um, It gets a bit uh, Judeo-Christian allegory. At the end, the end is incredibly like they've remade another Charlton Heston film and made the Ten Commandments again. It gets okay. a bit moses It gets a bit Mosesy, but it is um, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And as a war film, it, it's actually great. Well, that's a good. I mean, David. I'd give it. I think I'd give it eight. I think I'd give it eight. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the technology, I never thought I'd be the one to say it, but I preferred, I think Andy Serkis' company has done incredible work on this to make realistic characters that feel grounded in the reality. His company? He started his own company after being famous for doing Gollum, yeah.
2: I bet he's making, I used to see him around Crouch End get on the W7 bus about 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Now he's made loads of money.
1: It's also one of his right hand men who plays uh uh is it Koba, who is a in from the previous film in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is is the baddie. Um and he's it's an absolutely fantastic performance. One of the best baddies I've seen in recent years. And yeah, Coba. And he's played by Toby Kebble, who I don't know if you know recognise the name, but Toby Kebble plays um Paddy Considine's handicapped brother in Dead Man's Shoes oh okay and he's now one of the biggest motion capture monkey actors I'm going to do that I'm going to get some bing bong balls just take them to my head and then stand
2: around Crouch End and then do Andy Circus gets me a job that will be good
1: do you think he's still around Crouch End somewhere mm, probably in Los Angeles probably maybe. is maybe you need to do it in Los Angeles oh Christ <laughs> <laughs> but no I'd re- if you enjoy sort of Lord of the Rings, or any of these big epic things, this trilogy is very enjoyable actually.
2: Okay. Well, hey, Davis, just go yeah. and put it in your watching club. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
1: yeah, do that. I think it's time for this.
2: <laughs> Here's a message. From Stuart, film conspiracies, Howdy Danglers, uh, b- Botox, Boswellox, Bullocks cosmetic plastic surgery, etc. Oh, okay, conspiracy. This is talking about um, conspiracies. I talked about a few episodes ago. Okay, in the film industries. The conspiracy being injected emotionless actors, dead from the top lip up the not accepting it and being desensitised to good acting. High-cost actors should be, be replaced by ropey-out-of-lip-sync CGI actors and we won't care. Take me to Funky Town and keep watching the films.
1: I mean, that was the way he wrote it. It wasn't me reading it badly. No, sure. He basically I basically got what was being said there. So, um... The prevalence of Botox face actors is actually a plan to desensitize us, uh, so that they can then just replace actors with CGI characters. But we
2: just quite re- we just said that CGI was better than that.
1: Well, CGI entirely CGI actors would be slightly different to motion captured act- actors whose physical performance is being mapped onto the CG character. Whereas if you, which is how they all do it now, to yeah. be fair, there's, there would be there, you would still be employing actors in the jobs. Oh, but is... the actor would be playing, you know, Oliver Reed in every film instead of uh, themselves. Poor Oliver Reed. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, this is from Dave Speed uh, Actors as spoilers. David Marrick, Buddy, and Assorted Minor Cast Members. If you still care to do a voice, then I'm from Sussex, uh, live in Dorset, and work in a combination of Saudi Arabia, China, and Australia. Blimey. So go to town on that one. I don't think I will. While working overseas and stuck in a man camp, I was flicking idly through the offerings on the movie channels. I chanced upon a film just starting and gave it a try. It was so good, I can't even remember the title. <laughs> Something about children being used to fight aliens. That Last Starfighter? Anyway, during the military training, up popped leave Schreiber. And I immediately thought, well, my immediate thought was, I bet he turns out to be a wrong Spoilers here, but sure enough, he did. My question for you to ponder is, are there actors that as soon as you see them, you know how it'll turn out for them? Sean Bean will die, etc. Keep, etc. Dave. Um, I, th- I think that's, that's a very, very good observation. It's When, when casting gets a bit uh, obvious, that definitely happens. Ben Kingsley is one for me. If Ben Kingsley arrives as a sort of right hand man vizier style advisor he's definitely going to betray the person he works for and turn out to be the baddie I mean Leif Schreiber is someone who is normal at the start and then a pedo or a baddie or he's a baddie at the beginning and turns
2: out he's misunderstood by the yeah end. he's always seems to be crossing the line rather than staying uh, in
1: one standard yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, on side anyone else? Anyone else? There is that thing of who, if uh, if it's a murder mystery or a slasher or something, the most high-paid actor is definitely did it. Yeah, that's um. There's one film. Uh, is it called?
2: Is it me? Which has got the bad guy from? Um, it's John Lithgow in Cliffhanger, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's not that. What's the name of the guy from uh, Highlander, who's amazing. Oh, um, Clancy Brown yeah there's loads of villains in it and Clancy Brown's one of them and you're trying to work out who is the actual villain they've very cleverly put loads of people typecast as villains it's some weird they all go on a um, blokes going on some sort of um, walk somewhere (laughs) doesn't sound like a good film I'm not doing a very good job of it it's lots of men going on some sort of journey, walk through the woods, you know, a big trek. I don't think I've seen it. Is I, it Home... I, f- no, 99 home. Homes? No, he just, it turns out, looking through Clancy Brown's demography, he's done
1: a lot of voiceover stuff. Huge amounts of voiceover, yeah. SpongeBob SquarePants being a lot of it. Um, he also plays Lex Luthor in... Uh, Batman: The Movie, the Lego one. Um, anyway,
2: he's one of the people, and, they, and they've cleverly worked against this thing by getting loads of villains, so you don't know which one is the uh, the bad.
1: Absolutely, oh, the subverting bad the uh, subverting the norm. Um, yes, yeah,
2: oh, sh- it's a really good question, and one of which I've, I haven't given enough thought to merit the question, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I've just not given enough thought to a really good question.
1: That's all right, Mary.
2: Who do you think else? What other films that you know they're going to? It's always the evil characters who are are quite. um, uh, There's a guy who sort of plays uh, the ratty-looking characters. Always sort of, they're not good enough. They're not good-looking enough to be the leads. So they just have to be the slightly sort of the leads' brother who
1: gets killed. Oh, oh, well, well, Sam Rockwell I, often turns out to be the baddie, doesn't he? But I think he's got more of the... He's got the uh, still-fuckable rattiness about him. <laughs> I just think he was so amazing in
2: Moon, I'm surprised he, that didn't uh, uh, catapult him into Superstar. I know he did Seven Psychopaths and, and a few other things that didn't really work out for him. But I'm sure he's made millions of pounds. Anyway, um, here is one more letter... I mean, it's another one we didn't read in time for the 300th one. Oh, really?
1: This is from Alex Hodgson, who says, Dear Merrick David, buddy, the evil dog next door, the police, fire engines and ambulances. I know you don't always read out letters straight away, so please choose the most relevant introduction from the ones below. Happy 300th anniversary. Have a great episode. Happy 301st. I'll read this one. Yeah. (laughs) Happy 301st episode. What an amazing episode the last one was. When the Queen came in and offered to fund and star in The Bumming Man. Wow. Uh, that's the one I read I'll keep reading happy 302nd episode sorry to hear the bubbing man fell through bastard Dodd next door in his realistic queen costume anyway uh You grovelled for letters again, so I'm relenting to your peer pressure. I don't have that much to say, but I did watch Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, the Ian Dury biopic, on TV the other day, and wasn't prepared for how excellent it was. An extremely novel telling of an interesting story which integrated music with the story seamlessly. I couldn't really think of a musical uh, biopic that is as good, as they always seem flawed in some way. For all their plaudits, even Ray and Walk the Line seem like they could easily be TV movies. Can you think of any you've seen that were excellent? Backbeat was pretty good, but that was fucking ages ago. Actually, the Beatles story in its entirety would make a great Netflix-style epic mega-series. I've recently also watched biopics of Jimi Hendrix and The Runaways, which were both pretty average, although The Runaways... One was interesting in being a film about the first big all-girl rock group in which the only male character completely ruins the film with his ridiculous performance, trying to grab centre stage at every turn. It's worth watching just to see the patriarchy in action. Anyway, keep watching the films. Alex Alex Hodgson. P.S. I saw Marek on the BBC show The MASH Report the other day, and yet he wasn't featured in the list of BBC employees earning over £150,000. A scandal in waiting, methinks. Oh, um, nice report.
2: Yeah, yeah. I could tell you a few things about that.
1: <laughs> Maybe we won't go into that. <laughs> um, yeah, musical uh, biopics, biopics, biopic. Um, I think the problem is is that the Ian Jury one is uh, Andy Circus, isn't it? Again, the, the 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 brilliant
2: one is the um, Oh Ian Curtis one.
1: Um,
2: oh. Control yeah
1: I've not seen that one
2: which I've watched the first two thirds of it and then um, something happened at My the DVD broke and I always meant to watch it again mm. but the performance of uh, of the actor who played uh, Ian, um, Ian Curtis in it which is Sam Riley is who I've worked with he's brilliant Sam Riley is excellent yeah um, so I think that's one the pro- I think my problem is that you know the they're so famous that it's always really weird I always find it hard mm. to see an actor playing someone when you've already seen so much footage of them yeah. they're left with that choice of do I
1: try and just imitate them or do I do it as a performer in a different way I mean it takes a really special actor to get it right I I thought that um, I don't think it was a film it was a TV uh, movie I think but um when Reese fans played Peter Cook, I thought he got it spot on, yes he that was, he was, really was good. enough himself, but also so Peter Cookian that it just works you know you've even though you've seen Reese fans a thousand times, you know yeah um, but musical ones, I think it's hard because turning a musical career into a single story can be quite difficult, and they tend to sort of resemble sports movies quite often and therefore they're quite predictable and that's not really what a musical career is like.
2: Yeah. Um, Um,
1: Behind the Candelabra I thought was quite fun. Yes, that's great. I really enjoyed that. I
2: thought Ray was all right. I didn't see Ray. I'm not really blown away with it but I just thought, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it because I just think there's so much footage now I wonder whether it will kill the biopics the fact that there's so much document so much mm. more footage of people that you don't really need to go into that it's yes. actually more interesting in- interviewing also, people and getting them to tell the story than going to Yeah
1: the reason people fall in love and get obsessed with uh, musicians as well is by their very specific energy and uh, and manner and so just then getting a completely different person to put on the same hat and glasses as them just doesn't really cut it, does the it? The Doors one's
2: quite good. I remember that oh,
1: with Val Kilman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, long and he time was, ago. And
2: he yeah. was really good, I thought, as... Uh, what's his name? Spunk Boy. Jim Morrison. Yeah. Also with... then. Yeah. Well, uh, do you mean that's enough of Sure, why not? Um, you've seen a film, have you? Well, I've done my two films on Netflix. Now... One I want to talk about very briefly because I watched it and I always go for it. You go to the world cinema section, whatever it is, and the top films in there mm. are always uh, good films. One came out in 2016. It's called The Invisible Guest. It is... I don't know where it's... If it's Spanish or Mexican or whatever. It's just was so refreshing it's a story of this lawyer basically um, and he's about to go for the court case for killing his lover right and everyone thinks he's guilty so he brings in this sort of uber sort of OJ Simpson lawyer in right to chat to them the night before because uh, he's basically stuck in this room and he's supposed to have killed this woman he said he's innocent and he's brought her in to go over his story and retell events to work out how they can tell exactly what happened and how she can tell the story in court. So it's him retelling the events that the, 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 uh, predated the, the, the relationship and all this. Right. Thing. And it's just so controlled script-wise. A bit like Tales of the Unexpected where you've just got a story and story is absolute king of this film. It's just, here is a great story. The premise is there. Structurally, it's so sound, and it's a sort of whodunit mystery thing, wh- where the story is... Did he do it or not, basically. Yeah, Right. And that is the main thing with twists here and there. And I just thought, where are these fi- Why aren't people making these films anymore? Like the whole dub- Double Indemnity sort of film, the yeah, whole yeah. Hitchcock-type films, which is so great, because you go and watch this sort of set-piece set sort of film... Is a great thriller story. It's really simple. Um, and I don't want. To do, I, I just wanted to say, please seek out the Invisible Guest. I give it nine marricks. Wow. I think it's something that's really. Um, uh, uh, I only picked it out because I thought, oh, this is this is like the second choice on the uh, on uh, Netflix as the uh, foreign films. It must be quite a good well, new
1: one. Looking it up, it's. Um it's by it's writer, writer director. It's he's uh, Catalonian. Uh, the writer director Oriol Paolo. and this is his. Uh, he's got two films he's well known for: the Invisible Guest and the Body. So maybe look that one up as well if you think it'll be. It'll be well, good. I, I thought
2: it's. i um, mean, that's sorry, sorry though. I thought it was Mexican. I apologise. Okay.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, that that sounds interesting. Oh, so right. that's
2: my real real tip. He wanted to watch a fit and he forget
1: how great just some
2: simple filmmaking is without cocking about anyway the other one I want to talk about briefly is casting John Benet um, which is a document that's just come out on Netflix this is the really famous case of the six year old beauty queen who was found dead in their house and they haven't caught the murderer and the father and mother wrote a ransom note and then there's all these sort of stories of whether the Father was part of a sex ring where the mother was jealous of her daughter because she used to be a beauty queen, where the brother killed the his sister because he was jealous. But the way they've done this documentary, and it's been really controversial, is possibly one of the most original films that I've seen. They've done it as if they're casting the parts of these people. Right. So they've got these actors in who are all sort of... And they're quite good actors as well, but no face you would know, just sort of working actors auditioning. So you've got 10 10 people playing the dad and they've got them doing some lines, reenacting little bits, and they interview them and they talk about how, what they think. Wow. So it's a cross between them acting the story and their opinion on the case. So you have That's 10 great mums, idea. Ten mums dressed in... So they're all dressed in the same... Um, sorry, in, the, in the same uh, coloured stuff that she was wearing. The people playing the detective, 10 people. Kids playing the young boy. Kids playing the girl. Just interviewing them. And a lot of them from the local area. So they talk about what they thought at the time. People knew them. And you find out more about the actors' personal experiences one incredible bit about an actor saying that he woke up next to someone you know uh, dead so he knows what the he, he can empathise with what the family could have felt if they found yeah, them bo- yeah. so you've got all these other stories about these other people their stories and their opinions and it's just a fascinating exercise in to the, the different, uh, difference of human being how how many different opinions we've got and how different the acting is it's like watching a casting of 10 actors doing it so there's so many different things in one documentary it's an hour and 20 minutes long I think I'd give it eight marics I think it's been quite controversial because some people thought he was just making a bit too much of a drama doing an odd thing with an unsolved case sure but if you want to see a totally original documentary which is a cross between a
1: documentary and a film and about more than its parts. A bit, well, so almost, it's almost, um, if, if you're saying it really works, it's almost what... Well, I don't know if it, it works
2: perfectly.
1: There's a bit at the end which I
2: loved, which is just sort of, this shows you the myriad of possibilities yeah. where you have 10 actors playing the same part and yet they're all completely different and you just, and the, the the subtleness of, the difference of them doing it makes them completely different characters Yeah, yeah. so you can never know it's like watching it quite interesting it ties into the biopic casting a biopic thing yes you realize the casting just totally changes the character
1: well it sounds it's it's sort of got similarities with Louis Theroux's my Scientology movie but where he hasn't actually found what is what could be particularly interesting about his approach to it yeah because I didn't think that film quite worked but yeah okay That sounds Well, I think some people
2: really hated it and found it grotesque, but I thought it was one of the most original documentaries you will ever watch. Casting John Bonnet, directed and written by Kitty Green. It's got a six point. It really divides opinions so I'd be interested to see what you
1: think of that. The casting John Bonnet and The Invisible Guest. uh, Two Netflix recommendations there. That's it for this week. Um, thank you for listening we will be back next week if you'd like to write to us then go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form there and we'll uh, we will read out your letter on the programme sorry I'm getting distracted by Buddy wanting something don't know what to do also we do all of this for free so if you'd like to donate towards the podcast then again go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button everyone who has thank you very much thank you very much it's very helpful and kind it is kind that is exactly the word um we'll be back next week keep Keep watching watching the the films. films hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter